We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready to unlock your true potential and take your personal and professional growth to new heights? Then listen up, you guys. I want to tell you about The Huddle. This is my newest exclusive way for you to work with me in a group format for you to get mentorship and coaching every single week. Think about what a huddle is. When you're on a team of people, you get together, you put your heads together, you strategize and game plan for what's going on in your personal and professional lives. And that's what we're going to be doing every single week together on a 60-minute Q&A style coaching and mentorship call. This is your opportunity to get access to me and get my hot takes, opinion, and advice on how you can continue to up-level in your life and business. The other thing about this program is that you're going to be surrounded by like-minded individuals just like you as we come together to network, create change, and propel our lives forward with the huddle. So if you want to join me every single week for a place for you to get and propel your life to the next level, then go to torygordon.com slash huddle or click on the link in any of our social media bios. Sign up for the huddle today. I'll see you guys this week in the huddle. And welcome back to Transcendent Leadership. I'm your host, Carissa Johnson. And I just had to take a breath because mm. I already know this conversation is going to be really special because I have my dear friend, Tori Gordon, in front of me, who's looking all types of cute and sporty <laughs> spice over here. <laughs> I love your multidimensionality and just who you be in the world, your essence, your expression, mm. and your curiosity is something I deeply admire about you. And to kick us off, I'd want to give you a little bit of a formal introduction because this woman is totally a powerhouse. Mm. She is the founder and CEO of Coachable, Peak Performance Coach, a transformational speaker, breathwork facilitator, and host of the recently ranked number one education podcast, Wow. Wait, can we just pause in the middle of your bio and just say, wow, that is so incredible. She's also TikTok's top, TikTok's top 100 female creators. And she's a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator, podcast host, already mentioned those things, but her work reaches over 1 million people worldwide. And she's been seen on major news outlets such as NBC, Fox News, CBS, Yahoo, Business Insider. She's working with some incredibly high-performing 
individuals and she has taken the time and space to spend this afternoon mm. with me diving into so many things. Thank you so much for being here, Tori. Thank you for having me. This is just an honor, a privilege to always share space with you. So I'm excited. I am really excited to have this conversation with you because I can feel how many different directions we can go and mm-hmm. and also wanting to be really mindful because there's a couple of things that are particularly um, I'll feel very alive for you right now that we've been talking about that I want to go into. But before we do that, let's for a moment, I'd love to celebrate you (laughs) and just really, you know, so quickly we can go into like, who are you? What do you do? Where'd you come from? What's your pain? How did you transmute it into purpose? (laughs) And I'm like, yes. And you're in such a season right now where you are really experiencing the fruits of your labor Mm -hmm. where you're really thriving you're really embracing and still meeting edges and still you know in comfortability but how does it feel to be in a place that you've been working towards that you've been envisioning that you've really been creating how does it feel in this moment for you right now Mm. great question to start and thank you for just leading us there as a as a jumping off point i feel um immeasurably grateful for the journey that has led me to where I'm at. I just feel overwhelmed with a lot of um, gratitude, joy, excitement, um, hope for the future. But more than ever, I think I just feel really present to where I am, uh, recognizing that everything's temporary and so soaking up every single moment. Um, And I feel also very proud, um, proud of myself. It's mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to to say that, um, but proud that I have stayed committed to the things I really really desire, and um, and that feels really good to say because I, I'm experiencing the byproducts of what it means to stay devoted to yourself and to your journey when it's not always easy to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really emphasizing that you mentioned you're proud of yourself. Mm. And as somebody who is high achieving and also really in a space where you're softening in your um, willingness to like still be high achieving and still like enjoy the pursuit of of excellence Mm -hmm. and all of that. So really admiring you and the the stance of like, I am proud and it is okay to be proud of where I'm at in this moment. It's this really beautiful walk of gratitude and desire. Yeah, Like this one foot is here and this one foot just keeps walking. And so really celebrating you in that and also knowing a little bit about your story, it hasn't always looked like that. It wasn't only a few years ago that you were navigating a lot of grief Mm -hmm. with family and things that you were navigating. Curious if you're willing to let us in on that a little bit so we can have some context to explore these deeper aspects of where you're at and what you're creating, um, but also where you've been Mm -hmm. and what you've moved through. And and then we'll get into kind of like how you're how you've moved through that and where you're going. Yeah. Hasn't always been like this, (laughs) that's for sure. Um, Yeah, the space that I'm in right now is is definitely a celebratory one. Um, But I didn't get here without, with like, I say, I didn't get to where I am by avoiding hard things. Um, One, because I chose not to continue to avoid them, but also life forced me to Mm -hmm. confront um, some of my greatest fears um, and pain. 
Um, so a little about my background, I think I grew up um, and had a really beautiful, easeful, amazing childhood. Um, but things started to get rocky when I was a senior in high school. So for us in my family, uh, we'd never had a big rupture. Uh, my parents were married for 36 years. I grew up with an older sister who's four years older than me. We uh, had a great relationship and bond. Um, but at 18, uh, the word cancer entered our family and really rocked us. It was something that we were least expecting because it was my sister of all people who got that diagnosis. And that started a 10-year sort of um, process and, and journey with what would come to be a lot of loss that I, um, you know, no one can uh, be fully prepared for mm -hmm. or see coming necessarily. And um, so over the, the course of about a decade, uh, I unfortunately lost my sister, my mom, three grandparents, an uncle, and lived through a natural disaster, a stage four um, or a F4 tornado that came through our hometown. And I know I say that, you know, in, you know, one after another, and it can feel like, oh, well, where's the, where is the emotion in that? And I, and yet I also sit here a little bit um, distanced from those experiences. It doesn't mean I'm you know, they don't affect me, but I, my work has required me to, to deal with and to look at how all of that really impacted me. And so when I say life was hard for a while, yeah. it was tough. Um, so now that I'm sitting in the position that I am and have, have the life that I do, it's really, it's really sweet because I, I didn't know if I would ever climb out of the dark hole that I, I was in. Um, I already can feel myself getting emotional because, uh, you kind of sometimes you go through things and you th you wonder is this is this all there is is life always going to be like this is it always going to be this hard, and <clears throat> I'm I'm grateful to be able to sit here and tell you that there's there's hope for people, and for for whatever you're going through that it doesn't always have to be dark and hard and heavy and and intense and that was a belief i had for a really really long time Ooh. yeah wow thank you for allowing us into your world and being so open and vulnerable truly a testament to what happens when you hold the belief and you show up for what's in front of you right because i do believe it's sometimes challenging where it's like there is some, there are parts of our life that do feel in our control or that we are responsible for. And then life really does happen. Yeah. And those, that's the thing that feels the most challenging for a lot of high achieving people. It's like, I can control these other areas. I can do the work. I can read the books. But when this happens, it's like, and so much of it all at once. Mm -hmm. And it really offers us, all, me and the audience, to which is why I started at the beginning with where you're at now mm -hmm. because there's a level <clears throat> of impermanence that I think we're all really becoming more aware of and remembering I remember like during the the pandemic of everything happening in the world it's like life can shift like that mm -hmm. 
And so it helps, yes, that pain that you navigate is really challenging. And then on the uh, on the flip side, the sweetness, it's like it's so much more savory because mm-hmm. you know what that difficulty is like. Mm-hmm. So thank you for allowing us into that space. And I'm curious if you're open to sharing, you know, what were some ways that you moved through that? You know, there there has been a significant amount of grief and pain and suffering mm. always in the world. And there always <clears throat> will be. It's part of this human experience. And it seems as though it's it's becoming more prominent or people are talking about it more. So how did you move through those times? Yeah, I think for a while at the beginning, um, my moving through it looked like running from it because <laughs> um, it was the only way I knew to cope at the time. I didn't have a lot of tools on how to properly um, address and navigate my pain and my grief. And so I, I distracted myself for a good part of a good portion of time. I, I worked a lot. I climbed the corporate ladder. I achieved a lot as a means to give myself and my mind something else to focus on. I, I jumped from relationship to relationship. I would move cities. I would move apartments or houses every single year, mm-hmm. you know, um, because staying in one place and quieting and slowing down um, would have uh, prompted me to look within a little bit. And it wasn't until I um, had some of those things kind of fall away, a relationship ended, um, that the dust sort of settled and it was like, okay, we've, there was a prompting, like a calling. I I could feel like my soul being like asked to Mm. slow down. Mm. And I could feel myself like skimming the surface of my life in just every area. And so the beginning of sort of starting to move through this looked like admitting uh, that there was something to move through. Mm. Um, I had to start with being honest with myself and then being honest with the people in my life because I was very much attached to a persona of being very strong and having it together and looking like things were okay when ultimately, internally, they were very much not okay. In some ways, did you maybe need to be as well for your family? Absolutely. I didn't even feel like I had the right. Yeah. Because, you know, my parents had been through so much. Mm -hmm. My dad has now lost a daughter and a wife. Who am I to be? There were definitely times in my life where I was like, who am I to complain? Even yeah. though, yes, I've gone through this too and I've experienced it. I didn't ever want to be a burden. I yeah. never wanted to add pressure, add something else to the already full plate of grief right. um, and struggle. So I, I buried it. Yeah. And I repressed it. And so um, navigating and letting that start to bubble up to the surface started with. Um, the recognition that I was tired, that I was really exhausted from every single day, spending all my time, my energy, just holding it all down. And I went on a retreat. I I started listening to podcasts like this. I started to, uh, you know, get in proximity of conversations where people were starting to address their own uh, trauma. 
And so I went on a trip by myself. I solo traveled for the first time and I was like sort of my eat, pray, love moment. Wow. So courageous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I got to do something pretty extreme. extreme. Yeah. Because the environment, and I think one of the greatest and quickest ways to create transformation is to get out of your environment. Totally. So that's what I did. And I went to Maui and that trip changed everything for me. It was the catalyst for opening up my mind to a whole new way of of being. And it gave me the awareness that there was a possibility of doing life a different way. And that now I could potentially learn the tools that would help me remove and release and resolve, repair the like the, the broken wounded parts within me. And so I became obsessed with that, <laughs> um, frankly, because I was desperate. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people we get to sometimes. It's like we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I I was just, my soul was like calling for help. And the right people, when you, when you utter a silent prayer and say, please help me, please show me. I need I need something. I need I need guidance. I have found in my life that the universe shows up, that God shows up. Now I don't say that without the uh, uh, also the awareness that there have been many times where I prayed and I didn't feel like I got an answer. But um, this was a point in my life where I I needed some something, and people showed up. Tools showed up. I, you know, I went on that retreat, and that was the beginning of learning. Uh, how to really take care of myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate your share. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. I, I <laughs> myself do as well, where there's like a nudge mm -hmm. and you're like this, there's a subtle shift in energy when you're noticing and you're noticing and you're like, and then it, and yeah, you're right. It either is like inspiration or desperation, mm -hmm. right? Very rarely higher percentage is actually people moving from desperation. Yes. And it sounds like that was your story. And I'm curious, you mentioned that your soul was like nudging you or calling you. Mm -hmm. How did that manifest? You know, like how did you know that you were actually in a space of desperation? You were tired, but were there other things happening in your, like in your, your reality and in your body? Or how did you know that you were kind of like at that breaking point? What were the, the markers or the symptoms of that? Because some people might be like, yeah, I'm tired, but that's just the way it is. Sure. You know, like were there other things that were happening in your life that you looking back, you're like, that was a sign mm -hmm. that some people might be able to look at and recognize these might be warning signs that you're headed in a direction that might not be supportive for you. Yeah. I think on the career front, I was checked out mm. uh, of my job. Like disassociating. I, just completely yeah. checked out. And I had <clears throat> gotten a job that I was very underqualified for. It was on paper amazing. Um, but I was, my mind was completely somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, my relationships were suffering because I was unable to connect deeply. Um, I was very much holding back. I remember being with some of my closest friends at the time and just feeling alone in a room full of people. Like I said earlier, I felt like I was kind of skimming the surface of my life in so many areas. And, and when, especially when you're with, you know, the people that you're closest to and you don't feel um, really understood. Mm -hmm. You don't feel seen. You don't feel like you, maybe you feel like you're playing a role or mm. playing a part. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like that a lot. I felt like a fake 
that was one of the things that that continued to come up for me is like I think the reason I one of the reasons I was so exhausted was because I was like wearing this mask right everywhere I went and it was only when I would get home and close the door that I would take it off and that's when I was alone with myself and there became this dissonance between who I was alone and who I was with everybody else and I think my soul was like the desperation was like, I want the two to be the same. Yeah. I want who you are when you're with no one to be who you are when you're in community and when you're in relationship. And I didn't know how to bridge that divide yeah. because there was part of me that thought I had to be the girl that had it together and the girl that was okay and uh, when I wasn't. And so that's why I say start kind of a part of that started with being honest. So it was just honest with like, how am I? How am I? Yeah, question mark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I stop, I like, it doesn't need much more than that. It's just how am I really? And um, so, yeah, it's it showed up in a lot of different ways. And in my health too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, you could be in a room full of people and still feel so alone, mm -hmm. not because you're physically alone, but because you aren't seen, you aren't met. And one of the best ways to be understood, misunderstood is not to be yourself. Exactly. Right. If you live in a world where you're like, nobody understands me. My first question for you is, are you actually showing up as the person you are mm -hmm. and want to be. Mm -hmm. It reminds me so much of my entire journey being in community and connection, feeling like I was always the odd one out or I never belonged. Yeah. Being in, in spaces where people were wanting to engage and constantly feel like I had to put up a wall yeah. or I wanted to be like them or like morphing myself in such a way where I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I felt like Play-Doh where whomever <laughs> I was in front of, I was like, yeah, like shape to be like them yep. so that I fit in. Mm -hmm. And so for you, it seems like, I don't know if this was when your like the achiever archetype was sort of built for you or the performer. Mm. Would you say that you identify as having worn one of those masks? And if so, when do you feel like it was actually like fortified? Mm. Um, that that persona, that mask has been with me for quite a while, mm -hmm. even before all of this. So um, I learned very early that I got love and praise and recognition when I was a good girl and being a good girl included getting good grades mm -hmm. and doing well in sports and uh, being the star of the, the play and all of those things. Um, and so in my little mind, I associated achievement with also goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and so – at this point in my life that we're talking about when I was, you know, in my mid-20s, that was just the default um, way of being that mm. I just automatically defaulted back to, which was do more, mm. do more, mm -hmm. um, make more money, get a better title, get a new house get a new boyfriend, mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever, do more. And um, the thing about that is it looks good, mm -hmm. you know, and it so it's easily reinforced. And temporarily positive. might feel good too because if you're feeling numb, there's like an aliveness in the new, mm -hmm. right? I have a new location, I have a new partner, new yeah. this thing, yeah. Yeah, so 
you've got that um those your brain chemicals are saying like oh, i've got the new hit of the new thing yeah. in the moment and i think this is one way that we we bypass mm-hmm. um our our pain we bypass what's true for us is on to the next best thing and that was that was me and i labeled it as achievement um but i it wasn't until i realized that and you know i would take like Myers Briggs tests and Strengths Finders and and all of these different personality assessments. I remember taking one, and my number one strength was competition. Wow! And someone was like, "Oh, no wonder you're good at sales." Like, no wonder <laughs> you know, wonder you were always the you know MVP or or why you did so well. And so, like, I had all of these elements that were also really um, driving that need to achieve too. So yeah. it was like there was the perfect cocktail for me to really attach to that that part of me and then ultimately got a lot of um yeah recognition praise and good things out of it too so it's hard to break up with that part of you if um there's a lot of benefit to it but ultimately I had to yeah it served you well Mm -hmm. and then there becomes this rock bottom (laughs) moment for the revival and you Mm -hmm. have to there's dismantling of all of that and I think we talked about this a little bit on on your show where it's like that part of you might still be there. Mm-hmm. Do you experience that that part of you, that competitive part of you or that part that wants to achieve, is it still there? Is there like a, a manager that mm-hmm. like is keeping tabs on it or like how does that part still show up for you, if at all? I It definitely is there. I think she's a lot more integrated. <laughs> um, and it's less, you know, here's the thing. When I was young, I think I associated play with competition mm-hmm. um there was a point where play no longer was play and it became about competing yeah especially when i got into sports and then it became about not just competing but winning always so yeah. play yeah. equaled winning <laughs> yeah because winning was then fun yeah and so my fun <laughs> became associated with achievement Mm. and i didn't know how to have fun or how to play without being attached to a result Mm -hmm. um what i know now and when i say it's more integrated i know that that actually isn't play at all um and the integrated piece of it becomes way more about collaboration way more about curiosity and following what's inspiring and lit up in me now as opposed to needing my worth or my worth my worthiness my worth and my value to be sourced from what i do yes it comes up um because i still like to create things in the world right and it's okay to still want to win things but like you said you're not sourcing your sense of self from that outcome right it's I still like to be good at what I do. Yeah. I want to care enough to get good at what I do. I want to care enough about anything to put in the time, energy, and effort to become great. But if I'm not the best or if I'm not, it doesn't mean something about who I am as or what I'm worth or my ability uh to contribute in the world. And so that has been the shift for me mm-hmm. is that like I am only as good as my performance. Mm. That has been a belief I had to to give up and I continue to have to to check in with myself. It's like 
why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because I feel the need? Because if I don't, you won't love me. And it's not just at work. Mm-hmm. It's it's in relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, why am I doing all of these things for this person? Because mm-hmm. I want you to see how much I'm doing for you so that you think I'm good, so that you want to be with me. And it's it's like this very subtle subconscious thing that is um, – you know, oftentimes a thread that is is woven into so many the fabric of so many areas of our life. But I don't, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. I just learn how to bring it with me and have a lot more compassion for it and check in with that part of me and why, where it's coming from and what it really needs ultimately. Because it was formed, that part of me was formed because it was trying to get a need met. And when I'm aware of it, I'm like, okay, the need I I have right now is what might be. I need some validation. I I'm it's not it's not wrong to need validation at times. Maybe I need validation from myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just need some love. Mm-hmm. I need to know that, like, regardless of my performance right now, you still want me, and I'm still valuable. And so now I'm just so much more attuned to like when I'm doing things, what what it's trying to like actually do for me and what part it's actually trying to protect or the need it's trying to fulfill. Yeah, that's the su- such an interesting concept that I think that, you know, deserves more talking about is that these parts of us are very valid, you know, and they've they've served a need. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. And I've had this own awakening with many parts of me myself around asking, you know, what is the need this little girl? Because for me, I call her baby girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what does she need right now? And checking in with that part of me and then meeting the need. Right. And sometimes I can meet the need and sometimes the need is best met in connection with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's been the hard part for me is like being like hyper independent. Like I could meet my own needs, of course. And then learning that interdependence is yes. actually what is most healthy. So did you have people that you were able to heal these this these needs with? Like who were who was in your life during these times and even now yeah. that you're able to really have these conversations with? Yeah, this has been, I think the people that have entered my life in the last like four or five years are the people that have helped me most with like healing of this Mm -hmm. because, um, and specifically uh, in the last like one or two years, I I feel like now I've got enough awareness around it um, because it's one thing to like know that this is a pattern, right? And Mm -hmm. this is a, a, a... a kind of conditioned way of being and know that this tends to be the one of the the parts of me that shows up a lot right this achiever this controller whatever Mm -hmm. it is but it's only helpful to have that awareness if you can actually use the awareness in experiences where you can integrate it and heal it and that happens in relationship where you're witness right yeah exactly (laughs) right where you can actually play out the scenario where it's like i can do what i've always done and try to perform for you and do a song and dance for you Mm -hmm. so that you like me and that you think i'm lovable or i can internally whether it's with my partner or now with my my community my friends 
notice that part of me that's like, see me. Mm -hmm. I'm performing. Do you like what I'm doing for mm -hmm. you? Is this is this entertaining for you? Are you are you uh, do you approve? And recognize in that moment that I've got safe people in my corner that don't care whether I do this thing or not. They're just there because they actually love me, mm -hmm. not what I do for them. Mm -hmm. Um but that's been a journey of creating a community and, and learning how to choose people that um, have that ability to reflect that back to me um, and that I'm ready to start to integrate and, and use this in a different way. Because it's one thing, like we can talk about our, our patterns forever and become aware of them and logically analyze them. It's another thing to apply like that awareness in relationship and choose a different path. Like actually feel the default to do what you've always done and be like, in this moment right now on this breath, I can let go of the need to do it all and lean into the awareness that like, you're not going to leave me mm -hmm. if I'm not perfect and I don't do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but it's necessary. So scary. So scary because this is all I've ever known. It's like, yeah. this is who I've been. Yeah. Are you sure you're going to love me even if I'm like this? Like I know so many times I've subconsciously tested mm -hmm. people where I'll act a certain way and I'm like, why am I? And then I'm like noticing how they respond. And then I'm like, oh, that's me testing. Mm -hmm. Are they going to leave me when I'm a fucking shit show? Mm -hmm. Are they going to leave me when I'm acting this way? Or whatever, when I'm belligerent and whatever. And I've, I've gotten that place where I can like be really aware of and love that part anyway. But yeah, it's one thing to talk about these concepts. But relating is really challenging, mm -hmm. whether intimately or platonically, whatever way, to show all parts of you, to let them be seen, to for you to know them and then for you to allow other people to know them mm -hmm. and witness you in those experiences and then have them show up in a certain way to meet that. Yeah. That's so edgy and uncomfortable. And right. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly still meeting that. I'm like, I thought my cards were on the table. I'm like, I got all the parts or not organizing my parts and organizing how they show up. And then there's another level of intimacy mm -hmm. that I deepen in. And I'm like witnessing myself go, ooh, like even in group as we've been hanging out, I'm like, ooh, there's a part of me that like feels like I need to be acting a certain way. And instead of being consumed by it, I just witness it, right? And it's not me, it is a part of me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, talk a little bit more about confronting that in, in relationships. Yeah, I think as you said that, it brought up something for me, which is the need to impress. Yeah. Um, the need to stand out. Mm -hmm. And I, as you said, like, I thought I had all my cards on the table. It's like how often – we can see our cards, but it's like, okay, I'm going to fold this hand. I'm going to intentionally gonna put this card put this up. down. But yeah. how often we're like, wait, wait, wait. Give me that one back. Actually, I want to. I want to bring that back. And it's so subtle, and it's so, so unconscious. Yeah. And it's like we don't realize how often we're negotiating our cards. Yeah. And saying, "Wait, I'll put it down." And that's when we're conscious. That's when we're aware. That's when we're thinking about. Okay, I'm gonna. I am loved. I am gonna meet my own need. I am safe. I yeah. am okay. It's safe to put this down. It's yeah. safe to not, you know, need to impress. And then maybe somebody else walks into the conversation, and all of a sudden there's like 
ting, there's a that's a threat to your system for whatever reason. Maybe it's a beautiful woman yeah. or another guy. Well, and, and it's like, oh, wait, I don't know them. They don't know me. And maybe I need to impress them. Yeah. And we pick it right back up. And so it is a constant <laughs> everyday thing, you know, and in relationship, one of the most healing relationships um, and dynamics uh, has been with my dad. It's interesting because when I um, started down this path of, of self-healing and self-realization and spirituality, um <sighs> A lot changed and a lot changed really quickly because I grew up in a very religious uh, part of the country. Not necessarily my parents weren't extremely religious, but they were very spiritual in their own ways. Um, but it, the dogmatic religious culture was very much where we grew up. I grew up in the Bible Belt of South Alabama. Um, and when I decided to start to, to carve out a path for myself – and dare to be different than everyone else that I grew up around. Um, I was afraid. I, I had this like fear of disappointing mm -hmm. my my parents, specifically my dad. And so I remember when I quit my job and I decided to go full time into content creation and coaching. And I had no evidence that it was going to be successful mm -hmm. at all. I was a and I had just given up these titles and I had bought a house and I had all the security. I was afraid of like, what is he going to think? Is he like, am, is he going to think I'm crazy and stupid? And like, am I going to stress him out mm -hmm. with this choice? But as I continued to lean into what's true, um, I realized how much more I was received and the, the instance in the memory that comes up is the day that I quit my corporate job. And I was so I was so proud of myself for making that choice. But the hardest conversation or the hardest phone call to make was to him because I was I was so nervous about to tell him. I didn't know what he was gonna think. Um and on that phone call and I told him, you know, I quit my job and I don't have a backup plan. <laughs> Um, the way in which he received me was so healing mm -hmm. because I realized that I didn't need to be who I thought I needed to be. Um, I didn't need to, I, I was more impressive to him by listening to myself and following my truth and my intuition than following in line all of these other people that did things a certain type of way. He was more impressed by me being who I was. Mm -hmm. And that shifted things for me. I was like, oh, not that I thought he would reject me. Sure. I don't know where that necessarily came. I didn't think he was going to be like, are you crazy? Like, and be mad. But it was just such a healing moment because I was like, wow, I'm being celebrated and received and accepted for trusting myself. And that was the beginning of continuing to know that it was safe to lean into more of trusting myself and stepping deeper and deeper into that unknown and starting to then create more and more relationships where people celebrated that about myself instead of celebrating me um, living in the box of who they think I need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor of this week's episode, Camuso Design. Camuso is one of my all-time favorite brands because they are not just a jewelry brand. They are truly my hack for relieving anxiety and stress in my day-to-day life. And I'm about to tell you why. I wear their shift necklace. It is an absolutely beautiful stainless steel necklace that is designed in such a way to help you relieve stress and be more calm. And genuinely, that's exactly what it does. I wear this all the time because all I have to do is breathe. I, as you guys know, I'm a breathwork facilitator. I absolutely love the power of breath. And with the Camuso Design Shift Necklace, it is a simple, beautiful reminder that hangs around my neck to remind me to stop, slow down, breathe deeply, and allow my body to do the rest because we truly are our own medicine if we allow ourselves to be. So with this necklace, all I have to do is take a deep inhale through my nose and breathe out through this beautifully crafted necklace. I breathe into the necklace itself. And what it does is it naturally elongates my exhale, helping me to downregulate into my parasympathetic nervous system, feel calmer and clearer in just a few seconds. This is the best thing you can do for yourself is gift yourself the gift of calm with Camusa Design or a friend. I gave these away when I was at Burning Man on the playa and every single person that I gifted one to was so grateful and amazed. They have beautiful stains for women, men, and children. So this is one of the absolute, like, favorite things I have in staples in my closet, but also one of my very favorite wellness secrets that I'm no longer keeping secret. So make sure you guys go over to camusodesign.com slash coachable to get 15% off your order today. That is camusodesign.com, K-O-M-U-S-O design.com slash coachable and receive 15% off your order. Now back to our episode. Yeah, and it's interesting because how we learn to form our own behavior is really through our parents mm-hmm. and their validation or their disapproval mm-hmm. or their modeling. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you would take this leap and not conscious, like your subconscious is like, is he going to approve of this? Mm-hmm. I want him to approve of this. Mm-hmm. We all want our parents to be happy and proud. That's not an unhealthy thing. Right. But when it drives our behavior, that's when it becomes really unhealthy. Right. And so it's really beautiful that you've leaned into that. And it seems like from my experience of knowing you over the last little bit here, you've really been doing that more and more, leaning yeah. into that nudge, leaning into the trust, and leaning in and being curious about things that you know you had certain equations around, particularly the game of life mm-hmm. and play. Mm-hmm. You know, So how has your relationship with having more fun. I mean, your first half of your life, if not the majority of your life, was very serious. Yes. Climbing the corporate ladder, going through grief, navigating all of these things, mm-hmm. quitting your corporate job, building your business. You know, what is what was your version? What was your um, perception of play? You mm-hmm. know, you've already talked a little bit about the equation being, oh, there's like some competition here. Sure. You know, dive a little bit deeper on that and then talk a little bit about what it means to you now and how you're exploring it. Yeah. I love this because this is very alive for me. And this has been a journey of redefining what this looks like. Because growing up, um, I was always the girl that hung out with people older than her. Like Mm -hmm. even like my sister was four years older. So I was like three years old going to sleepovers with her friends Mm -hmm. and always like everyone was always older. So as a byproduct of that, I 
I was always more mature, mm -hmm. right? And I associated being mature with not being like a little kid, right? And so I wanted to always be grown up and be be <laughs> yeah. like big girl pants, big girl, and be <laughs> um, be cool. And being cool was not like being a don't be a baby, you yeah, know, right. which was the babies love to play. And I was like, I'm, I'm serious and I'm mature. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize then like how much I was being conditioned out of the natural like need and desire to play. And so I started to develop that connection that play was all about competition and then play equaled winning. And what I've realized and, and that I used to think that play was unproductive. You know, you, you talk about, oh, well, p playing is for the children and mm -hmm. adults, you know, act your age. Yeah, you need to get serious about your life. Be right. serious yeah. about your Take life. life seriously. Grow up. Right. Yeah, grow up. Right. Be responsible. Be responsible is one, yeah. And so as a byproduct of being a girl, girl it meant follow the rules. So I'm going to be responsible. Yeah. I'm going to be serious. I'm yeah. going to take this seriously. And so that edged fun out of the equation altogether. Right. And I had no idea how, uh, how much until the last couple of years where this dismantling of these ideas ideas and these belief systems mm -hmm. have like come tumbling down and how much I um, have like just misidentified what play really is. Now in my life, I'm realizing how that play is an act of non-resistance where I'm enjoying the full, like the full enjoyment of something play is is not about an end result play is about being fully immersed in an experience um for the simple enjoyment of it where i sort of forget about time and space mm -hmm. where i yeah have no resistance and so part of the reevaluating of this equation looked like me assessing where all my resistance was mm -hmm. to fun and play. And so when I got out to Vegas, um, which is like the literally very, the Mecca of play and fun and adventure it's an and adult playground, it's literally an adult playground. You yeah. couldn't have moved to a better place to explore this. <laughs> uh -huh. um, it was like, okay, you know, your universe is like, okay, we're going to have a experiment in play now. Mm -hmm. And it required me to like really confront all of my judgment about what play looked like and that it was irresponsible and not productive. And um, the way that I started to do that was I was immediately like life brought me people whose essence was very playful. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting now that I look back on a lot of my friendships over the years, the friends that I would attract were always much more outgoing and let loose and had way more fun than I ever allowed myself to. And I was always, I think I always was attracted to those people because I was envious of them mm -hmm. too. I was, I was jealous of the way that they could just relax into a situation and, and enjoy it. And I was always very calculated mm -hmm. <laughs> in my experience of things. It's like, what am I, how can I get the upper hand here? What, Am I safe? Mm -hmm. um, is there something I can get from this experience instead of just experience it? Yeah. Um, what I've realized is that there's a couple of things that are necessary for me to rewire and reprogram what it means to play. And safety was the number one thing. 
um, when you think about children at play, they're disarmed, right? They're not defending themselves. A child isn't going to feel able to play and just go out and run around if they're scared something bad might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ha- as I dip my toe into more experiential play, whether it be music festivals, m- experimenting with things like I had never done before that I had always been told was off limits. I grew up so much and it was like, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go there. You yeah. can't wear that. Life becomes unsafe. Yes. It was like, no. Yeah. And so part of my experimentation with play was starting to say yes to all mm-hmm. of the things I'd said no to. And right. I've been taught were wrong. Mm-hmm. And that was scary because I was doing the opposite. And there was this fear that if I do this, am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to be punished? But it was like, this doesn't happen overnight, but I was like dipping my toe into the waters like little by little by little and creating more safety for myself and giving myself more context that actually it is safe to express. It is safe to go there. It is safe to have that experience. It's safe to play. And that capacity for for play and fun and expression has has grown. But it's taken it's taken time because if you don't feel safe, then you're constantly on guard right? And you're constantly defending and hypervigilant. And that's what I was, you know? Um, And so now as an adult, I'm like, how can I create parameters for myself and take care of little baby girl who Mm -hmm. thinks she might get in trouble and give her permission in settings where it's really, really safe to just go have a ball and go for it. And that has been one of the most healing things I've been working on in the last like couple years Mm -hmm. same that's been a very mirror of my journey as well something Mm -hmm. that came to me recently in a medicine ceremony was I was learning the art of healing through joy Mm -hmm. and realizing that there was I had worn such a badge of honor being like this was hard I got through this and I think I shared this on your episode too where I was realizing that I would be okay and I would subconsciously act as if I wasn't mm-hmm. to like receive love and like act like life was so hard because right. what like if I was enjoying life then would I actually be met with would I get attention would I get attention right which is so interesting yeah and so yeah when you're talking about play here it, it, I know that it's it's landing deeply with me because it's been um, very m- mirroring of my journey and the idea of play being irresponsible, particularly, right? And in your, in your Vegas, there's so many things going on always. You could be like, I could go out on a Wednesday, I could do this mm-hmm. and it feeling edgy to actually do that because why should, I've, I've experienced this all the time where it's like my entrepreneurship journey. I have some ways sometimes created like another nine to five mm-hmm. where I'm like, I should go home at nine o'clock, yes. get in bed, eat this thing. It's like, why did I become an entrepreneur? I wanted the freedom and the choice to do that. And yet there's still these harsh parameters and rules Mm -hmm. that I'm constantly trying to stay between to be good, to be successful. And yet play is one of the most healing things that you can do. And especially when it is safe, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're not safe, you're arguably maybe in a survival state. And when you think about people who are surviving, like play and fun and enjoyment is low on their priority list. They don't feel like they can even access right. a state a of joy. It's a luxury, right? So it is important to recognize there might be certain responses that are happening in your body and um, parameters that you wanna have mm-hmm. around engaging in this. Because mm-hmm. to blast yourself open 
you know, might not be the most helpful thing to do. Yeah. And rewiring your neural pathways to see that it is productive and it is supportive can actually help you lean into it more because play for the sake of play. Some people just can't get behind that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. I know that was one of my challenges is like, why would I want to play? This is enjoyable to me, but like actually to let loose, I wanted to understand a little bit more to give me context, to feel safer in it and actually to understand the why behind it. Mm -hmm. So how have you found that play has actually been productive? Maybe a little bit like, are there any tangible ways where you're like, I found that when I am playful, I actually feel more creative. I know that's been my journey. Mm -hmm. So share a little bit more about how has play actually amplified your life goals and your results and your productivity oh so many ways yeah <laughs> you said one of that i mean the number one thing is that i get into flow mm -hmm. a flow state because i'm my resistance to life is minimal mm -hmm. and, you know i am able to let go of the tension and the judgment that i have of myself and of everybody else so connection is much deeper mm -hmm. um intimacy is greater um i'm able i've been able to develop more self-acceptance mm -hmm. i've i've learned that it's like that the connections that i have just feel way more fulfilling and real and it's like oh i'm not you don't like me because i'm this prototype you yeah. like me because for all these aspects when I'm goofy as fuck you know mm -hmm. what I mean when I'm like a weirdo and that feels it it's brought me back to myself to my origin to like who I really am before I learned who I needed to be yeah and that has then given me this permission to be myself in my business to be myself and and like and show up authentically in so many different areas where before I was way more um, calculated, you know, and thinking about, like you said, being that Play-Doh that yeah. just forms and conforms uh, to who I think you want me to be. Um, but it's like, it's like those children on a playground, right? If you give them just this wide open space, sometimes they don't know what to do with it, but you put them within a boundary mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, let they, you put a fence around them and they're like, great, I feel safe to go out and to like have fun. But for me too, it's also important for people to realize, like you said, maybe you don't just immediately blow, like just like go for yeah. it. You might be a little timid. You might be the kid on the playground that wants to watch first. Totally. And just wants to take it all in and just observe. And that was me for a bit. Like when I went to my first festival, I was pretty timid, yeah. you know, and I was like, I just want to take it all in. I just want to take my time with this and observe and watch. And then I was like, oh, they're dancing like this yeah. and they're wearing this and they're they're like expressing like this. And I was like, it would just give me reference point for a reference point of like, it's OK. It's OK. It's OK to do this. Try it. Try it. And then you have it's just such a like blessing to have a friend that can take you by the hand and be like, I'll show you. Mm. Come with me. Mm. Yeah. Come with me. And um, and then the the top kind of just gets blown off of this, like this lid that you've been like living under gets blown off and you're like, oh, all the possibilities of what's, what's who I can be become so much more available. And it's life becomes more vibrant. Life becomes more alive and more 
um, exciting than before. Before it was so much more mundane and predictable. Because it was all calculated. Very much. So it's of course it's predictable because you're literally constantly creating the situation and then feeling like life is so boring mm -hmm. because you're not really allowing yourself to go outside the bounds mm -hmm. of what you've created for yourself. And as you were talking, it reminded me as you're like, I'm feeling creative and I'm feeling more connected. You know, David R. Hawking's his scale of consciousness, mm -hmm. judgment is one of the lowest states of consciousness. Yeah. So when you're judging your experience, when you're judging other people, you have all of this energy that's that's literally being held. Mm -hmm. When you when you go to these higher states of consciousness, you literally have liberated energy. Yeah. So what do you do with all this energy? You you transfer it to things. You create. You connect. You you do all the the things that you've been wanting to do that you've been holding on to. Like right. we are infinite sources of energy. Yeah. And so what we do with that energy is up to us. But once we release the judgment, you really recognize how much more energized you feel and where you want to pour it into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember this year I was at EDC here in Vegas, which is um, one of the biggest like EDM music festivals. And in the last few years, it doesn't mean I don't go through hard things. It doesn't mean I don't have challenges. I do. But I can tell you I have cried so much more out of joy mm. and celebration than I have out of, uh, you know, powerlessness or hopelessness or, or feeling completely defeated because I have put fuel on the fire feeling good. Like you said, I've been healing through what was it? The something of the enjoy, like something of joy. What you said? The art of joyful healing. Yes. Yes. Well, that is like a whole different way to approach life. I had been so fixated and focused on the hard, yeah. the painful, what wasn't going well, why things like why life was against me, what I had to do, the seriousness and the intensity. And then play and joy and fun has brought such a lightness and healing. The, what's the, what's the point right. of healing? Yeah. If we're not healing so that we can enjoy life. Right. Like, isn't that the point? So like, that what can... is the point of life if we're not enjoying any of it? Yeah. yeah, so true. Like, what is the point of planting the tree and, like, nurturing it if you're not going to enjoy the fruit that grows from it? Yes. When I saw that <laughs> and I realized, I was like, wait, the whole – because we can get obsessed with, like, going into our shadow and dealing with the darkness. It's and the da, healer's da, 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 trap. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, isn't the point of all of this so I can be lighter? Ugh. Yep. So that I can like be more spontaneous and and f have more energy to give to to things that Everything. light yeah. me up. Yeah. yeah. And so now I wake up in the morning and I, like, I talk about the game of life and I was like, how can I make this more fun? Mm -hmm. That's one of my like mantras right now is like, how can I make this even more fun? Even if it's like I'm making a snack. <laughs> it's like how can I make this even more fun maybe I'm gonna like drizzle a little peanut butter on it yeah or like put a little powder you know whatever it might be that's like do a little oh, booty this shake makes while a little bit more it. fun or put on the music put on <laughs> yes. the song while you're yeah. doing the thing yeah and it just brings more energy to it and at, and momentum is real and <laughs> the momentum is a real thing so mm. you can get that momentum moving in a positive direction mm. or a negative direction so it's like, how can I just pour more fuel on the fire of fun and joy and lightness mm. and creativity? Because as that expands and grows, it it attracts more and more and more. 
to it. Um, and so that's where the place and space I want to live in and play in right now. Um, cause it's, it's exciting. And I don't know how, like, and I'm also not, um, living under the illusion that something at any point could like the come impermanence, in right? Which is why happen. playful out playful out because there is an impermanence of mm -hmm. life and we don't know when this is going to end or what's going to happen or what's going to shift so why not live it to its fullest like that's why i feel so passionate about life because i'm just like get the ju all the juice out of this lemon that you're mm -hmm. squeezing because there's so much there mm -hmm. there's really so much there yeah and for you for this game of life you know what is what are some edges that you're meeting whether it's with play or mm -hmm. other areas that you feel you're open to sharing yeah i've shared this a little bit with you um i want to continue to follow my curiosity um and my curiosity tends to lead me um to something that i don't fully understand mm -hmm. and um, that might present me with my edge where I start to feel out of bounds or out of control or that I don't have, you know, um, context for. So I'm continuing to follow that because I know that that's where the work still lies for me outside my comfort zone, mm -hmm. whether that's sexually, uh, in my sexual expression, um, whether that's creatively, whether that's just from an adventure like perspective where I'm like, I wanted to sign up for, um, skydiving because it scares me, but I want to like do the things that scare me. Yeah. Right. Like I want to have that like moment of overcoming my fear and realizing it's okay. And that like life I, is like, I feel so alive. Right. I want to continue to chase that feeling, not as a way to escape my life, but to enjoy my life yeah. fully because I, I realize now when I look back, I have so much love and compassion for the little girl that thought she needed to be so good and so and c conform. And um, the little girl that th thought she just needed to comply. And now I'm like, run, little girl. It's girl. like a whole new world, like it's Aladdin, a whole, like a whole new world. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what if you didn't have to comply and yeah. you could do whatever you wanted to do, Ride what would carpet. you do? Yeah. And you're not going to get in trouble and you're not going to get punished. You're going to be celebrated and you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be supported in that expression. So all the parts of me that are like, when I, when I get to a point where I'm like, no, that's not allowed. No, you can't do that. You're not, that's, that's off limits. I know that's the thing I need to go do. Mm -hmm. And so those are the edges I'm still leaning into definitely around. Yeah. So many things. <laughs> so many but like even you said something so like silly but it's like you can go out on a wednesday if you want yeah it's okay mm -hmm. you're here's your permission um and there's it's just continue to break box there's just layers to the onion yeah you're what is that thing where it's like there's a million boxes in one like you open up a package and then there's another box oh, inside yeah. or and there's, there's like that tiny little doll that you take out yes. and there's like 10 100 That's more me. yeah so <laughs> as soon as that. i break out of one box and I, I create a little bit more spaciousness and I expand a little bit into a new space of unknown and i'm like oh that wasn't so bad actually i really enjoyed that like yeah 
then it's like there's the next there's the next you're like oh there's another one in there and you're like curious and getting to know them and yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i'm ready for more and then you i can feel when it's stale and stagnant when i've like i've gotten comfortable Mm -hmm. just playing in this arena yeah again and now it's like time to expand that fence a little bit and so wherever i fall into judgment is where I've not yet found the capacity to love myself mm-hmm. and other people. And um, I want to be somebody that can, you know, love unconditionally. That it's like, I see you for who you are and who you are is okay. However you choose to express or whatever you want to do with your life. Like we all just get one of them i don't want you know i don't want to be a bitter old judgmental lady that's like crunchy oh and my god how dare they do that and yeah. i'm easily offended by everything like waving it's like, the stick outside like, oh <laughs> i don't want to be her at all yeah. i want um to be soft and open hearted open-minded um so all of the places where i'm still in resistance is my invitation um to expand and heal a little bit more and also take care of the little girl that still feels kind of scared to do that. But it's like, I'm going to buckle you up and you're going to put you in the seatbelt and you're coming with me Yep, and we're going to do this together. You don't have to, to, you know, fend for yourself. Like I'm, I'm the step into that loving divine mother role. That's like, I'm here to take care of you and we're going to do this together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what creates the safety. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, as you release the judgment that you hold against yourself, you're able to see other people more Mm -hmm. through those eyes of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So that's really beautiful. And I meet you in the curiosity of pursuing what really makes you feel alive and also that threshold for like oh this is kind of scary mm-hmm. uh skydiving was really something that opened me up mm-hmm. so i'd be happy to go with you again yeah it was like uh it just really blew me open in like the best way because if i could confront death and literally falling out of the sky and dying what, what else uh, what else am i afraid of yeah what else do i have to be afraid of yep. so it was like that put really things in perspective for me so I'm really celebrating the journey on you're on and love walking alongside of you and being on this path with you. Thank you so much for being here on this podcast mm-hmm. and this conversation. I'd love for you to share with the audience where they can get in touch with you, your work. Do you have anything open for enrollment right now mm-hmm. that you'd like to mention? Yeah, definitely. So you can learn more about me at ToriGordon.com. I'm online on TikTok and Instagram. My handle is at the Tori Gordon. And yeah, we're currently enrolling for our group membership program um, called The Huddle. Um, so I really believe that in the game of life, we need people people um, on our team to support us. My coaches and mentors and friends and community have been so instrumental in my growth and creating safe spaces for me to go to my next level. And so the huddle is really um, an opportunity for people to get into community and to get support weekly. Um, And so that membership is available right now for pre-enrollment. And we have our first call coming uh, June 19th. That's a structure where we just do calls once a week and you can come get support, get into community and strategize about how to um, go to the next level in the game of life. So you can learn all about that um, at the links in my bio or at ToriGordon.com.
Well, we will definitely have that in the show notes and how on brand that it's called the huddle. Yeah. I love it. I love your brand. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Thank you just so much for being here and sharing this time and space and your vulnerability and your heart. Mm. And just the work that you're doing in the world is so incredible. So thank you for being here. And thank you for tuning in and being on this journey with us. If you enjoyed this show and this podcast, definitely let us know in the links below. And also go ahead and share it on your stories. Tag us. Let us know what the takeaway was. And give us a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you again. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.